You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. I just had kind of a fun idea that really just derailed me. I saw this somewhere and I thought, you know, that would be kind of fun if we just did that as like a group. It's just it's just a just for fun thing. But you know how sometimes you'll see, oh, you know what it was? I saw Nagler saying something. He said something to the effect of, if this happens, I'll print this tweet and eat it. And I thought, you know, that would be kind of fun if we did that in the group. If we took one rumor that's out there and said, if this happens, I'll do this. And then we just live up to it. And it, I mean, it's it's not like a negative, you know, usually when people say that, they're they're being very... It's usually just me, somebody, excuse me, cell phone, so rude. Sorry, you probably couldn't even hear that. I'm just talking to myself. My alarm went off. It's very quiet. No wonder I can't wake up in the morning. I need to start getting more, I don't know. I don't know what I need. But it's usually meant to be like a you're an idiot kind of thing. It's not a you're an idiot thing. It's a it's kind of like Russian roulette for the Facebook group. You have to take a rumor that exists. J.J. Watt is off the table. And uh, just say, if this happens, I'll do this. And then if it happens, you know, you know got to kind of man up a little bit. Also, I think maybe I'll put a poll up in the group for things that I would have to do. Just, to, I don't know. Like I said, it, I got a plan. I'm all set up, man. I've been sitting here at my computer. I'm going over some stuff. I'm like, yep, this is what we're going to talk about. Boom, boom, boom. The music's going off. And as I'm just sitting here daydreaming through the three seconds I have until I have to start talking in the intro, my brain's like, dude, I got an idea. It's like, no, it's not idea time. We started. It's We're done with ideas. Save it for tomorrow. Nope. That's the thing now. So I'm just going to make the Facebook group post now because 90% of the time when I say this, I don't actually follow through. So I'm doing it right now. All right, post it. I got to do that in my draft group, too, because that one, so many draft rumors. It could And it could be a draft thing. If the Packers draft a linebacker, I'll do pantsless push-ups in my driveway. Don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't want you to go to jail. There's going to be, like, neighborhood kids outside, and you're going to go to prison. Don't do that. I'll let you figure it out. But I want to kind of run through today, now that we're back on track a little bit, just some more news, because stuff just keeps flooding and flooding, and I know, well, I thought you were going to go more in-depth on the interviews. Well, I'm not. I just feel like I'm getting so far behind because stuff keeps popping up. And it's mostly like NFL news, but it's all kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's big stuff. For example, something you already knew that I haven't talked about yet is the fact that it's highly likely there's a 17-game regular season in 2021. Now, this was always going to be the case. It would have been kind of shocking if it wasn't. To be completely honest, I just kind of forgot that it was <laughs> it was a thing. But once they mentioned it, it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I thought that was like a, a foregone conclusion. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I don't know if people are still mad about it. I know some people don't like the potential injury implications. And, and it is scary. Right, Because even as a Packer fan, you're looking at it going, please stay healthy, please stay healthy. You had another game 
in between where you are and the Super Bowl, and it's like, dude, they're not going to make it. Like, Rodgers isn't going to make it. Zadarius isn't going to make it. Devontae's not going to make it. Somebody's going to get hurt, man. Somebody's going to get hurt. But you know what? It's another week of football, and I'm grateful for it. That's another week of football to watch. It's another week of football to do the podcast when it's not an off-season, you know, day. And as a result, the Super Bowl gets pushed back, so it literally just expands the season a week. I kind of hope that means they push the draft back, because really, the off-season for me really starts after the draft, and it's probably a couple weeks after the draft, because you get a little bit of draft residuals, you know, talking about it, but after that, there's just nothing. It's a short period, but just just push the whole thing back. I mean, we got to find a way to close that gap. Something's got to happen. May? Oh, oof, May is just, it's... Ugh. I love the weather, but doing a podcast about football in May? Oh my goodness. Maybe you can keep the draft stuff going, but May, June, yikes. Even July, you know, because then it's like peak summer. Nobody cares. Fourth of July, like people are still blowing off firework. Like, dude, take this firework, wrap the Packers around it, and stick it up your nose, podcast boy. It's like, well, that's rude, but, you know, people say it. Anyways, <laughs> the other potentially bad news here is that um, the 17th game, I believe, is set in stone. The Packers will play the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to give a lot of people a lot of heartburn because many Packer fans are going to look at that and say, well, that's an automatic loss. I want to remind everybody about something. This is, this is an off-season. This is a perennial reminder. Every single year, everybody needs a reminder. 2021 is not 2020. Now, granted, the Chiefs are one of those teams you expect to be good for the next decade at least. But I'm, as I've said before, I believe the Chiefs are more like Seattle than New England. Now, Mahomes, I think, is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, but, but the, the, that still applies. I mean, it doesn't have to be a direct parallel. But you've got a good coach, you've got a good quarterback, and not a lot else. You've got a guy that has not been drafting well, right? There was a, a burst of good draft uh, picks, which gave you this good core of a football team that slowly starts to erode. And then you look at a team that that kind of just keeps eroding and um, isn't what it was, but they just keep winning. They just keep hanging on. And I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a team that I'm going to look at and overestimate how much they fall off and they keep winning, but it's, it's still not going to be as good as they were the year prior. That's kind of Seattle. That's basically what New England was too. I look at them like this roster isn't great and then they just dominate again. But remember how the season ended, right? I, I, when they lost midseason, and I've said this a thousand times, but I just want to, let's re-engage the, the muscles again, the, the, the Chiefs muscles. When they lost midseason to the Raiders, they lost by eight points. And I had done a little bit of homework and found out that that was the biggest loss Patrick Mahomes has ever had, eight points, which is just an absolutely insane statistic. The biggest beating that man has ever taken was eight points. Then they go on to lose to the Chargers week 17, 21 to 38. Now this is a pull your starters kind of game and Pat Mahomes technically wasn't playing, so he didn't take the beating. But as a team, that does something to you. I genuinely believe that. This is a team that does not lose. And when they lose, it's barely. But it's not just that they got absolutely whooped by a pretty subpar garbage team in the Chargers. It's not just that. It's the fact that they barely beat the Falcons the week before. They barely beat the Saints the week before that. They barely beat the Dolphins the week before that. They barely beat the Broncos 22-16 to the week before that. The Falcons was 17-14, to which both of those games are an absolute failure of the offense. 
They barely beat the Buccaneers 27 to 24. They barely beat the Raiders 35 to 31. Ever since the bye week, in fact, the week before the bye week, it was 33-31 against the Panthers, who are a terrible team. For one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight weeks, they won by three to six points every single week. And then they get annihilated by the Chargers. Then they barely beat the Cleveland Browns. The first absolute beating they handed out since November 1st against the Jets was to the Buffalo Bills. And kudos to them. Buffalo's a good team. They finally found their groove. They won by uh, 14 points. That's a, that's a hefty win. But then they just get absolutely obliterated, just embarrassed in the Super Bowl. And, and it's, it's not only the worst beating they've had all year, it's the worst beating. I mean, what? now I'm curious. The last time the team as a whole took a beating this bad was in 2016. They lost by 29 points uh, to Pittsburgh. Week 4, 2016 was the last time they took a beating like this. So it's a shock to the system. But that's not all. Again, the, the, the point of what we're talking about here is teams are not all going to be the same. And, and it's, we'll do this at some point when we look through the, uh, the Packers' opponents. Um, probably not until after the draft. That's a good dry spell kind of thing to go through. But the Chiefs, that, that's where it starts. And that's even if the, the team was exactly the same, you got to start looking at that. This is not the same Chiefs team. This is a team that struggled to even win. I mean, I'm not kidding you. This, they're a clutch team. In other words, when it's close, they find a way to win. But if you just flip a coin at the end of some of these games, they could have easily lost five games down the stretch. That's not the identity of the Chiefs, but they're, they're playing dangerous games with that. Now, continuing on, they got other issues. You think the, the Packers are in a salary cap conundrum? The Chiefs are sitting at minus 20, basically 24. They have the fourth worst situation of any team in football right now. The Packers have fortunately moved up to, uh, you know, minus 11-ish. So they're, they've passed the Chiefs. So the Chiefs have to start making some cuts. Before we even look at their free agents, they got to make some moves here. Possibly restructuring Frank Clark. That guy's weighing the most on their salary cap right now. Um, he's sitting at 18.5 million, or no, excuse me, 25.8 million, which is ridiculous. Frank Clark is costing the Chiefs 20, almost $26 million. It pains me that Preston Smith is about to make 16 if he sticks around. Frank Clark for 26, I'll take Preston, thank you very much. It's not, it's not a judgment on talent. No way in the world do I want Frank Clark for 26. That's an absolute team killer. Pat Mahomes is under 25. Chris Jones is sitting at 22. That's, that's so insane. Then you start looking at guys like Tyron Matthews. Probably haven't heard this very much, but Tyron Matthew is almost $20 million, which is another number that is stupid. That guy should never cost $20 million on anybody's cap. Now, the only reason this one's especially interesting is that the um, if he were to be cut, that would save them almost $15 million. $15 million. I don't see any way, unless there's an extension coming, and maybe that's what they have to do. They need to do some kind of an extension because he's in the final year of his contract. But Tyron Matthew getting cut outright is not an impossibility because there's still a lot of money there. That's the thing. Even if you give him an extension, I mean, you, you got to include the money he's got, which is already too high. Tyreek Hill is costing $16 million. That's reasonable for a guy of his caliber. Eric Fisher, sixteen or $15 million beyond reasonable. Travis Kelsey, $13 million is reasonable. Anthony Hitchens, ten point six. Anthony Hitchens. What? Anthony Hitchens is a linebacker, just so you know, because you probably didn't. 
Because why would you? This is this is so mismanaged. It's painful. I mean, this is this is bad. The the amount of cap allocation in in these areas is is pathetic. Anthony Hitchens for ten million dollars, and if they cut him, he saves two million. I don't even know what you do with this other than just cut Tyron Matthew and save fifteen million bucks, and then we still got to free up another ten. This is so unbelievably painful. And for a lot of these guys, you can't do. I mean, Frank Clark, you go negative if you move on from Frank Clark. Pat Mahomes, obviously, you go negative. Chris Jones, you go negative. There's so many guys. Uh, the Laurent Duvernay Tardif, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Willie Gay. They've got so much money tied up in the future, they can't cut anybody. And again, that's not even the free agents. You look at if you look at their free agents, two of their starting their top two cornerbacks, Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breeland, are free agents. Two of their top linebackers, Damian Wilson and Ben Neiman, the two guys next to Anthony Hutchins, free agents. The safety next to Ty- Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, is a free agent. You still got Juan Thornhill, which is great, but you got two guys that need to go. By the way, Daniel Sorensen is 31 years old, so he's probably not coming back. Bashad Breeland is 29, so that's iffy. Even if you can find the money, which I don't know where you're going to find that money. The three pass rushers behind Frank Clark are all free agents. Tano Passanio, Alex Okafor, and Taco Charlton, all free agents. The only guys left are Mike Dana and Tim Ward. I don't even, I've never heard those names in my life. Alex Okafor is 30. Don't think he's coming back. Mike Pinnell, 30, free agent, probably not coming back. One of the big things that, that uh, Chiefs fans want is wide receiver. Well, why? They've got a good offense because Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, and Byron Pringle are all free agents. The only guys left, aside from a, a couple of uh, guys that got brought over from the practice squad, like Chad Williams, Dalton Schoen, Anthony Antonio Callaway, blah, 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 guys that probably aren't going to make the field, is Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman, who are basically the same guy. Short, small speedster. Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Byron Pringle, all free agents. How are you going to pay him? Obviously, they have running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Cool. Daryl Williams, Le'Veon Bell, Anthony Sherman, all free agents. Then I think you get to the absolute worst part of all of this. The fact that the offensive line was was the biggest weakness, thanks to injury, but it was a big weakness in that uh, Super Bowl. Eric Fisher is 30 years old and in the final year of his contract. Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle, is 32 years old and in the final year of his contract. Mike Remmers, the right guard, is a free agent. His backup, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, is 30 years old and in the final year of his contract. Center, Austin Reeder, is 30 years old and a free agent. Mike Remmers, by the way, the right guard, 32 years old and a free agent. Daniel Kilgore, the backup center, is a 34-year-old free agent. Andrew Wiley, the left guard, free agent. Backup interior offensive lineman, backup guards, Coleccio Semele, free agent. Stefan Wisniewski, free agent. Right now on this offensive line, they have Eric Fisher, left tackle, final year of his contract, Nick Allegretti. They don't have a center. They don't have a, well, they have Laurent Tardy in the final year of his contract and Mitchell Schwartz in the final year of his contract. Six interior offensive linemen are free agents. Three guys, Yasir Durant, Nick Allegretti, and Lucas Nyang are the three guys that have contracts beyond this year. They have no money to resign their own guy. They have been drafting terribly. An offensive line is the biggest hole moving forward for them. And we saw what happens when there's a good amount of pressure brought to the golden boy, Patrick Mahomes. It ain't great. And when you start losing guys like Sammy Watkins, who granted, you're looking at Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill as the primary, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire obviously is, is going to continue to grow in his role. But you take away that number two and number three wide receiver option, it's not going to help. 
makes it a little easier to focus your efforts on Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, especially when you become one-dimensional because you can't run the ball anymore because you don't have an offensive line. And you're having a hard time getting the deep pass to Tyreek Hill because you got to get the ball out of your hands in 2.1 seconds or you're going to be on your face. Again, I I tend to overestimate these things. The the decline of um, the Seahawks. I was about eight years too early on the decline of the Patriots. I constantly see the good in the Lions and certain other teams who have uh, talent but, you know, can't figure out how to use it. They don't this year, but, you know, in the past they've had decent rosters and failed. I'm I'm typically early, and so I expect the Chiefs to come back and and you know just do Chief things, win football games, and win and win and win and win. But be on the lookout for a steady decline for this team, unless they fire that GM and find somebody that knows how to draft and and somebody that knows how to manage contracts way better than what they've been doing, because this is an absolute disaster. So it's 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 a look at the Chiefs who are going to be on our schedule apparently, but also just a general reminder. 2020 is not 2021. We don't know what's coming up. Obviously, the Saints have been a good team. I don't know what to expect from them next year. We don't even know who their quarterback is. If you need another example of teams falling from grace, we saw last year the 49ers go from a Super Bowl team to something that's pathetic. We're now getting rumors that um, the 49ers have reached out to the Carolina Panthers about a trade for Teddy Bridgewater. This team has become desperate for a quarterback. And it's just one of those things that's sad to watch. You want to hate them because they're the 49ers. Basically, any NFC West team is just the bane of Packer fans' existence. I don't know what it is about the NFC West that we just can't seem to, I don't know, I, I, I still hate them, but you kind of just feel bad for them, you know? When you're, when you're to the point of reaching out to the Panthers for help with a quarterback, wh- what are we doing? <laughs> just, what? And that's another team that's in trouble, man. And it's also why the Packers need to be careful. You know, a lot of fans want the Packers to be reckless. This can happen to anybody. It's already kind of getting there with us scrambling to try to figure out how to get out of the red. This didn't happen under Ted. It happened under Gutekunst because he started taking fan advice. And then, then he has to listen to fans talking about how he hasn't gone all in. Are you out of your mind? We're flat broke because he went all in. But the 49ers are in a real tough way. They are sitting at $12 million, so on, on its face it looks fine. But when you really look at, for example, their free agents, it's a mess. That's the thing. When you, it, There should be some kind of like an actualized cap chart, and there probably is somewhere. But like if you were to re-sign all your free agents, what is your cap at? The 49ers would have to be near the bottom. And I know they're not going to, but that's kind of the point. Your, your team is, is falling apart. The Cardinals, as well as the 49ers, are two teams that are in dire need of cornerbacks, not because they didn't play well last year, at least the 49ers, but because of just how bad it is. And I I maybe have mentioned this before, and this is just one of the areas. They have a lot of needs in a lot of places. And again, keep in the back of your mind as I go through this, they're reaching out to the Panthers for Teddy Bridgewater to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, who's one of the few guys on this entire team that does have a contract long-term. They're cornerbacks. They have 30-year-old Jason Verrett, he is a free agent. They have 30-year-old 30, 30 Kwan Williams, who is a free agent. They have 33-year-old Richard Sherman, who is a free agent. Um, they have 30-year-old Dante Jackson, who is a free agent. They have uh, 31-year-old Jamar Taylor, who is a free agent. They got two young guys that are free agents that, again, they'll probably have to resign, but you know, $12 million becomes not quite $12 million pretty quickly. That is Akello Witherspoon, who's 26 and a free agent, and Emmanuel Mosley, who is 25 
and a restricted free agent, but still a free agent all the same. Still got to pay the guy. May not be a ton of money, but you still got to pay him. They don't have a single, not a single football player under contract long-term. They have guys off the practice squad that they resigned, like Adonis Alexander, Ken Webster, and Tim Harris. They don't have a single starting cornerback, not one. This team has not one starting cornerback on the team right now. They don't. They don't have one. They also have Jaquiski Tart. The safety is a free agent. Jaquiski Tart is 29 years old, so he's getting up there. And that's just the DB. The defensive line is also problematic. They've got Javon Kinlaw still, who's, who they're still trying to grow. They got Bosa. They got D Ford. They got Eric Armstead. And these guys are locked up for a while. But Solomon Thomas, Jordan Willis, Kerry Hyder, Ezekiel Ansa, Deion Jordan, DJ Jones, and Ronald Blair are all free agents. That's half of their defensive line. That's a lot of guys. And a lot of these guys have played massive snaps. Uh, if you look at the defensive line, Javon Kinlaw played the most snaps. There weren't a lot of guys that played a ton of snaps, uh, largely, I'm guessing, due to injury. But DJ Jones played the second most of anybody. He is a free agent. So I'm not just listing off backups here. These are, these are starters. Kerry Hyder, the edge rusher who is a free agent, played the fifth most snaps of anybody on the team, second most of an edge rusher behind Eric Armstead, almost tied with Eric Armstead. And that's just the defense. They got to figure out what to do with left tackle Trent Williams. Trent Williams is 33 years old. Again, $12 million becomes red real quick when you start paying left tackles, left tackle money, and that's a good left tackle. They also have problems with the interior, just like the, uh, the Chiefs did. Tom Compton, right guard, is a free agent. He's 32 years old. Center, Ben Garland, is a free agent. He's 33 years old. Left guard, uh, Lakin Tomlinson, and right tackle Mike McGlinchey are in the last years of their contract. And Mike McGlinchey's going to get paid, no question about it. He may get an extension as early as this year. But again, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Lakin Tomlinson is 29 years old. When he is a free agent next year, he'll be 30. They're doing okay at wide receiver, assuming Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are the future. Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor are free agents. Quarterbacks, again, Jimmy Garoppolo, if they're looking to replace him, C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins are free agents right now. Two tight ends behind George Kittle, Ross Dwelly and Jordan Reed, free agents. Running backs, I don't even know who their running back's going to be. Jarek McKinnon is a free agent. Tevin Coleman is a free agent. Raheem Mostert is in the last year of his contract. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, is a free agent. I would assume they're going to re-sign him, but again, he's 30 years old, and you're looking at it going, you can only sign so many of these guys. Well, obviously, they're going to resign two of their corners, and obviously, they're going to resign some of the edge rushers and defensive linemen, and obviously, they have to resign their offensive line, and obviously, they're going to resign Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, duh. And obviously, they're going to resign Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver. Like, no, not obviously. Not obviously at all. There's not enough money. And so when you start to look at what people are saying about it's going to be a massacre and, and so many guys are going to be, get cut, it's not just the cuts, it's the fact that so many of these guys can't get re-signed because teams don't have money. Whereas in previous years, the cap, instead of being at 180, is at 210. So many of these guys are already, they already got contracts, or 205 or whatever it would have been at. You throw $20 million at, at each of these teams, nobody's leaving, but now everybody's leaving. And again, that means everybody's price goes down and everybody signs very unhappily these contracts that they don't think are fair and et cetera, et cetera. But it's just, it's just crazy. And, and really what that, that has the potential to do is reshuffle everything. Because again, we're talking about really talented teams losing tons of their talent and going elsewhere. And when the dust settles, you got completely re-engineered teams. Which ones are going to be the good ones? Well, unfortunately for the Packers, it's the teams that have been very Ted Thompson-ish that have a bunch of money that can buy up all these guys. The Packers can't. 
because they bought high and are going to sell low. If you're the Jaguars and you have $82 million in cap space right now, and you go out and you get Trevor Lawrence, you know how much talent you can stack? How many uh, top-tier wide... You, you know how easily it would be to go out and get like Allen Robinson, pay the guy $20 million and not even blink? Jets have $75 million, Patriots 62 Colts still 43 Why did they go get Wentz? What are they doing? Jeez. I, I had so, so many high hopes. Every, every time I looked at some kind of trades, like, oh, the Colts make so much sense. The Colts make so much sense. Do the Col- Colts, 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 Colts. And then they get Carson Wentz. And it's like, you know what? You guys just just shut the door on being good at stuff. Cool. Way to go. You don't have any money anymore. You still don't have a quarterback. Great. Well done. Well done. Carson Wentz throwing to nobody and a dissolving offensive line. Way to go. Well done. Proud of you. Anyways, we probably should take a break somewhere in here, and this feels like a decent enough spot. So I want to say thank you again to everybody that left uh, iTunes reviews. I see there's another review there. It went up to 401, but again, J-Boy's still the, the last review that I can see. For some reason, that a lot of these just don't get published, and I don't know why. Or there's like a massive lag in actually showing up here. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. I'd, I'd love to read it off, but I can't. So assuming that 401st review isn't a one-star review, which is entirely possible, um, I would I would read it, but I, I can't. I don't see it. But thank you. I appreciate that. If you wouldn't mind leaving a review, if you don't use iTunes as I don't, uh, you can go to places like Stitcher and leave five-star iTunes or... <laughs> no, not on iTunes review. Etc., etc. You get the idea. But again, any way that you can support the podcast is great. And, and again, spreading the word is, is my favorite of those options. If you have an inkling to uh, support the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There's also links to Venmo and all those other great wonderful thing. Just a thought. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I've had some people ask me, a lot of people ask me about a lot of different guys, but uh, when Kyle Van Noy got released yesterday, that was a big question mark. Um, obviously, anytime you see a linebacker is about to hit the market, especially when the media is, is just freaking out, like, what, you're releasing Kyle Van Noy? I don't even, I, I can't believe that. It has a feel of they're actually going to let this elite linebacker walk. He's not good, so... I mean, it's not to say the Packers won't take a swing at him. Um, they they tend to like bringing on linebackers that I don't care for. Even the one guy that I now like was my one of my least favorite linebackers in the draft. So if I don't like him, probably where they're going, like Christian Kirksey. So maybe, 
but I don't want that to be a thing. Another guy that was released is Henry Anderson with the Jets, six foot six, three oh one. He is twenty nine and a half years old, so he's getting up there in age. Um, I think if you see a Jets defensive lineman, sometimes you get excited. And look, I mean, this is he's a Mike Pettney guy. So if if there's some similarities between what we were doing and what's going forward, I don't know what the identity of a um, a Barry defensive lineman looks like, but he's you know tall and lean and all that kind of stuff. He kind of fits that Dean Lowry mold if we wanted to to kind of find a replacement, I guess. But I don't think you want to replace Dean Lowry with a really old guy. That doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. In terms of his abilities, um, terrible pass rusher, decent run defender. So not a horrible trade-off, I guess. If you're into that kind of thing, he's probably better than Dean Lowry as a run defender. Probably worse as a pass rusher. Again, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, you know, you get yourself all worked up and you get excited about, what about this guy? What about this guy? And they pick up a Henry Anderson or a Kyle Van Noy. And it's like, you know what? Just why did you even bother? Like, just just keep the money. I'd rather just have the money. Just just pocket it. I don't care what you do with it. Just don't, don't do stuff like that. I already talked a little bit about Kyle Rudolph and the fact that I'm not interested. One interesting note is that a potential landing spot for him is Cleveland. Um, his ex-offensive coordinator is now the head coach over there in Cleveland. The only reason that's interesting is because the reason that seems reasonable is because it's expected that David Njoku won't be back. Now, David Njoku is, I'm a little bit biased because I've always just liked the guy. And it's one of those things that in any, any, any other case, I'm just looking at it and going, hey, he's not that good. But he is a first round prospect with massive loads of talent somewhere in that body. And he's only still 24 years old. The potential to grab a top tier talented uh, tight end. 6'4", 246, runs a 464. I just, I have a hard time letting it go. I doubt it's going to happen. And, and one of the worst parts about all this is there was a similar scheme with Stefanski going over to Cleveland. So they're running a similar scheme in Cleveland in 2020 as what the Packers will be running or have been running. And so if you don't see that massive jump in production, it's hard to imagine that he's going to come here and have a massive jump because of the scheme. That's not to say that... Um, LaFleur won't do a better job. Obviously, he's getting some good stuff from the tight ends when you look at Robert Tanyan and, and his ability to explode. I know how you pronounce his name. I just say what I want to say. Don't worry about it. Beyond that, one of the intriguing things about Tanyan um, is that he's actually really fast. I mean, he's kind of similar to Njoku, just a hair faster. Robert Tanyan is six foot four, runs a four five eight. Njoku is six four, runs a four six four. I just have a hard time letting that one go. He also took a massive step in 2020 in terms of his blocking. That's one of the areas he's really been terrible. If you look at his pass blocking grades, 32, 51, 58, 77. So it's gone up every year, and then in the fourth year, it just went through the roof. And it wasn't like a flukish thing. He had he graded in the 70s every single game with the exception of one, which was real bad against the Jets. He was good every game. Run blocking is not the greatest, but it wasn't terrible. It's been pretty average since he came into the league, basically. So I just, I've always been a fan of this. And again, the fact that he's 24 years old, I just, again, the, the, the potential, it depends what he's going to cost, but I can't imagine he's going to cost all that much. And if you feel like you can, can find a way to make this work, right, with the scheme, with Rodgers, with all this stuff, in Joku, I just, I just love it. I don't know why. It's probably nothing. It's probably he's just a bust. He's just not that good of a football player. Um, shouldn't have been drafted as early as he was. It was a mistake, whatever. But, you know, I just, I can't, I usually advise against thinking this way, but I just can't let this one go. 
I would be a fan. Not 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 big time money. I don't want to dump a bunch of money into him. But if he's going to come at a discount because nobody wants the guy, I would love to take a flyer on him. Because again, this is a guy that can play for another five, six, seven years. And yes, is another name that uh, you know isn't really out there right now, but probably will be. Um, I had somebody ask me that yesterday. Is Njoku a free agent? My response was not yet. Some other good NFL news for uh, the Packer fans out there. Again, I don't really like it, but everybody else does. So. I'll, I'll give you the good news. Speaking Wednesday, Vikings GM Rick Spielman stated Kirk Cousins is, quote, our quarterback going forward. In other words, they're looking at it saying, yeah, he's our guy. Again, I don't like playing Cousins. I don't know why everybody's so gung-ho about, yay, Cousins is sticking around. I don't really understand that. Even Vikings fans seem to agree. The, the guy has graded out really well for the last three years in Minnesota, especially the last two. He definitely has some bad games. There's no question. The guy completely falls off. He's not a super elite prospect or quarterback or whatever. But man, he can be real good at times. And, and unfortunately, some of his best games, in fact, his best game last year was against the Packers. It, it just keeps happening. I don't like playing Kirk Cousins. I don't. You look at Jair just getting carved up. When it happens, it's only against the Vikings. And a lot of that has to do with the wide receivers. But you, you're telling me these aren't pinpoint passes to places where only the wide receiver can get it? You're, you're sleeping. Cousins just has this weird thing where he can play really, really well at certain times, and it tends to be against the Packers. And what are they going to do otherwise? You think they're going to do better than Kirk Cousins if they move on from Kirk Cousins? Who's better than Kirk Cousins that they can reasonably get? They're going to draft somebody? Who? They're picking at 14. Who are they going to pick at 14? Mac Jones? You think Mac Jones is going to come in here and, and carve up the Packers? I doubt it. Kirk Cousins was tied for the 11th best quarterback in football with Dak Prescott this past year. 11th best passing grade. The only guys that were better, Baker, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Who are they going to go out and get that's better than who they have? It's like, it's like the Lions moving on from Matt Stafford. I'm glad they did it. They're not going to get somebody better, and they didn't. They got somebody a lot worse. They went from the 13th-ranked Matthew Stafford to the 20th-ranked Jared Goff. What, are they going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taysom Hill, Mike Glennon? What are they going to do? Get Alex Smith? These are all downgrades. I, 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 don't, I, just, I, I guess I just don't get it. I, I don't understand what, what the thought process is. The guy's been a top-10 quarterback for two years in a row, and we're like, oh, good, he's staying. Like, why? Why is that good? Because he's so bad sometimes, right? Yeah, that's true. So is Rodgers. So is Mahomes. So is Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. And, and all the great quarterbacks are bad sometimes. Not as many times as anybody else the Vikings would get if, if Cousins leaves. I mean, unless you're worried that they're going to get Deshaun Watson, I'll admit that would suck. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm just confused by the whole thing. But, but he's sticking around, so Packer fans get to celebrate, and Vikings fans who hate him get to pout about it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad they're not going to get better. I just don't think they're going to get better. And I'm, I'm kind of worried that they end up moving on after a really, really bad season when they end up getting a top quarter. There's a ton of quarterbacks next year. A lot of really talented quarterbacks, again, for the third year in a row, next year in the draft. If they get a top five pick, now we're in trouble. And we're going to be wishing that they had moved on from Kirk Cousins last year and went and found somebody else. Just a thought. Continuing on with this note here, um... It says, in answering the question, Spielman noted he's heard the rumor this offseason but highlighted Cousins' play down the stretch last season. Cousins threw a career-high 35 touchdowns and posted his highest touchdown percent rate 
at 6.8% last season, tossed three-plus scores six times from Week 8 forward. Cousins' turnovers always seem to come at the worst times, but Cousins is far from the problem in Minnesota. I tend to agree with that last sentence. Um, another player who was released, Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. Is Gabe Jack- Jackson an option? Gabe Jackson could be a Band-Aid if we really feel like we're in trouble. He's 30 years old, and his play has been declining basically since his rookie year, and I'm not kidding about that. He's been a Raider since 2014. His grades since his rookie year, which is his best year, we're talking pass-blocking grades, 85, 84, 79, 77, 75, 75, 69. With the exception of 2018 and 2019 being the exact same grade, 75.6, his pass-blocking grades have been going down every single year. So, I mean, he can come in and do something. But again, it's another one where it's like, why spend the money? We've got those six-round picks that could probably do almost as well, if not as well, or just draft somebody or pay anybody else. So if, I'm not, if, I have, if I've been unclear, I apologize, but I would rather not get Gabe Jackson, if you're wondering. Um, the Lions did sign Tyrell Williams, who was a Raider. The, the Lions are in a weird spot with wide receiver. They're going to be losing a ton of guys, and there's a whole weird thing with Kenny Galladay, which, again, should be a slam dunk. And uh, they went and locked up Tyrell Williams. Now, that's fine if he's going to be your number two next to Kenny Galladay. But uh, again, that whole thing is weird. And that's that's going to blow this thing wide open. And to be honest, I kind of want them to re-sign Kenny Galladay because similar to the Vikings and the Bears, I never want them to be too bad. Let's, you know, if, if, if the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings could be eight and eight every year, even if that means we split with them once in a while, I'm fine with that. Because eight and eight, you're drafting, you know, 15, 16. You're not getting anybody that's really that good. I mean, you can, but you're not getting a top three pick. Man, if the Lions lose Kenny Galladay, they might get the number one overall pick next year, and that's terrifying. Because, again, who do they have on their team? Jared Goff is bad at football, and he was bad at football with a team that found a way to make him look like a really good quarterback because of their offensive scheme and and because of having some really good wide receivers and, and tight ends and different things at different times. That really just helped this offense. The Lions have nothing. The offensive line is mediocre. The, the running backs are not great. The wide receivers apparently are, are going to be horrible. The quarterback is bad. The defensive line is a joke. The corners are bad. The linebackers are terrible. The safeties, mediocre at best. It is horrible. And this is the same team where in previous years I'm looking at the roster saying there's a lot of talent on this team if they can put it together, and they can't. You take away the talent? Oh, I mean, we'll see what Mr. Alpha Male can do for this team, but I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I'm being ridiculous, but I kind of want him to keep Kenny Galladay because I'm, I'm terrified that this is going to be... Then again, what are they going to do if they draft a quarterback? What are they going to do? Yeah, forget it. Get rid of Galladay. I'm, we're fine. <laughs> you put a Pat Mahomes on that team? I don't know. I just, I don't see it. Another player who was released that might get some people excited, uh, Jared Cook was let go. Uh, another somewhat expected move by a team that just has absolutely no money. Jared Cook, however, is going to be turning 34 years old very, very soon. Obviously, there was a decent amount of chemistry with the Packers down the stretch. Um, he seems to still have something going for him, but, you know, I don't know, man. First of all, he's strictly a receiver, like strictly. He only pass blocked four times ever in the season, or excuse me, in four games, five times. His pass blocking grade was a 3.2. <laughs> That's about as bad of a grade as you can get. He did run block a little bit more, 142 times, but he's not very good at it. He's just a straight up receiver, which, you know, is, is fine. You can utilize that, I guess. But I, don't, I just, I don't think it's going to be a thing. I wouldn't really hate it, assuming he's 
cheap, but, you know, I don't know. Another potential option that was just released is 32-year-old Golden Tate. Um, Obviously a smaller slot guy, Um, not what he was. You know, his prime was back in like 2014 with Detroit, you know, 2013 with Seattle in that range. His last 1,000-yard effort was 2017 with Detroit. So I don't know how much he has left in the tank or whether or not there'd be any interest in him. But again, he's he's going to be a pretty cheap option. And, and and the more guys, as I've said, that get cut, the more guys that are floating around out there, the more that uh, the prices are going to start dropping. And when you talk about a 32-year-old Golden Tate who had 388 yards and two touchdowns last year, I just, you know, again, I don't know if there's any interest whatsoever, but would be cheap. He also gives you some return ability if you wanted to kind of look at it from that standpoint. I don't know that he's necessarily a super dynamic punt returner anymore, but um, he's probably not terrible. (laughs) He's had 98 punt returns, zero muffs ever. I mean, that by itself, he can catch without dropping it. That's, I mean, lock it down, man. Just, just, Just pay the man. He can just do that. Just a thought. Again, it's it's nothing super exciting, but it's, you know, it's a low-cost potential option. Finally, and I'm, I'm way over time, but I wanted to leave you with one more little nugget. Um, I've been playing around uh, with looking at some of the biggest risers in this draft class, and one guy kind of stands out. A lot of these guys, you know, they're they're in the 200s, 300s, whatever. That's where you see a lot of the, the, the movement because, you know, it's kind of, it fluctuates a lot when you get into the, the later rounds, and usually the the earlier you get, it kind of it sticks, you know. I mean, if you're at 32, how much can you rise compared to Trey Norwood has moved up 285 spots? It's hard to do that when you're sitting at spot 72, right? But one guy to keep an eye on that is in the top 100 right now um, that has moved up a ton, and I'm going to say his name wrong, but he's out of the University of Kentucky. He is a linebacker. I'm going to go with Yamin Davis. Could just be Jammin' Davis. I, I just, I feel like I'm going to sound like an idiot if I say Jammin' Davis, even though that's a pretty awesome way to say it. But Davis was sitting in the 300s since this whole thing started. And at some point, somebody put him in a mock draft, which is how these things usually happen. And, and, and I can tell you where these things happened. But um, starting around uh, mid-February, he jumped up to about 100, uh, you know, 106 or whatever. Right now he's sitting at 92 overall. So there is a linebacker out of the University of Kentucky that has cracked the top 100 that you probably haven't heard of that you need to start paying attention to, and that's Jamin Davis, linebacker out of the University of Kentucky. But if we come over here to the PFFs, um, PFF loves the guy. Uh, they, they, they haven't been sleeping on him at all. Six foot four, 234. He's a smaller guy, but with that, you kind of expect a little bit more speed, I guess. Um, fantastic run defender, right? You're expecting coverage or whatever. Nyeh. Even the pressures aren't, well, I shouldn't say that. Five pressures on 24 attempts is pretty solid, but for a linebacker, that's pretty standard. Three of those five pressures ended up being sacked, so he does give you that. Um, Run defense grade, though, was an 87.5. He did a fantastic job. If you want to see him at his best, if you can find it, look at the um, Kentucky versus Tennessee. If you can find Jamin Davis versus Tennessee, go with that. I doubt you're going to be able to find it, but he had a 93.3 coverage grade. Now, don't look at that and assume that this guy's going to be a great coverage linebacker because, again, that's that's an outlier in terms of his coverage. If you want to see him against the run, look at him against Florida. That was when he was at his best there, and that is his better of the two attributes. But definitely an intriguing prospect. Again, six foot four is a big dude, but he's really, really small. 234 at six four is really small. Um, really sound tackler, 85 overall grade as a tackler. In coverage this past year, 
30 receptions on uh, 40 targets, which is 75%, which is relatively high, but only gave up 239 yards. Uh, one touchdown had three interceptions and a pass breakup. Again, don't get too caught up on the three interceptions. Those things are fleeting. You know, it happens, but, you know, the biggest thing is this dude can fly around, and he's a good tackler, and he's a good run defender. And if, if he has that sideline-to-sideline side speed, coach, if you want to check this guy out, let me know what you think. That would be cool. But, um, again, I haven't even looked at him. I was just poking around with some stuff, and I saw this guy just absolutely fly up the boards. Um, in fact, if we look at, at the path that he's been on, it, the earliest I can see is Walter Football back 22 days ago put him 29th. I should say Charlie Campbell did. They, they always get ripped for, for their rankings, but that, that was the first iteration that I saw 21 days ago, so three weeks ago. Uh, somebody had him going in the fourth round. Matt Miller two weeks ago, had him going 26th to the Browns. So that was that was the first time he showed up real high in a mock draft and nobody knew who the guy was. But again, shout out to Charlie Campbell, three weeks ago, you had uh, Daniel Jeremiah put him in his uh, big board 35th overall. Uh, Josh Edwards at CBS did a mock draft, had him going 30th to the Buffalo Bill. And uh, Tankathon just yesterday put out their latest rankings and had him 74th overall. So uh, you're starting to see him, at, at the very least, in the top three rounds. But some guys are putting him in the first round of their mock drafts, which is just crazy. So again, keep your eye out for Mr. Jammin' Davis. Anyways, I got to get going. Very, very late. I'm late again. I'm terrible at this. But I'm good to you people. Anyways, have a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.